Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. We're so excited about this morning because... Uh, you know, for the last three weeks, uh, either I was preaching or Brenda and I were preaching up here. And um, this morning, we get to hear from a lot of experience. So it's just not Brenda and I talking, but it is uh, uh, a number of our friends talking as well. And so uh, I want to thank you for being here and make sure you text in those questions. That'd be really helpful. And our moderator this morning is none other than Trevor. And you want to make him welcome? Yep. So uh, Trevor, take it away. Do your thing. Yeah. So again, welcome. We are wrapping our series on parenting and other scary stories. So again, shoot shoot a text to that number. I'm going to be monitoring the texts. Nick, I got your text. That's funny. <laughs> um, but first, I want to give a little bit of intro, a little bit of background on the panel here. Um, we've got Jansen Utek on the far. He is the director of Restore Students, and he is married to Danny and also a parent, just freshly a parent um, of a seven-week-old, I believe. Um, and then next down the line here, we've got JB and Carla Hostetler. And I've got the stats on the, the length of marriage here. I want to make sure I get them right. Married for 25 years and three kids. 25 and three kids, all who are in high school. Um, Gene and Brenda Troyer then are, are in the center. Married for 33 years with two kids and three grandkids. And then we've got Steve and Tammy Vandervoort, married for 33 years, six kids, ranging from 18 to 30, and three grandkids. So we're just ramping up as far as kids down the line. And then last and certainly not least, we have Juanita Hostetler, the Restore Kids director, and she's married to Marlon, who is out here somewhere. I don't see him off the front, but uh, he's in the classroom. Perfect. And. Um, she's got four kids, 21 to 11. So we have got just a, a massive range of experience here to uh, ask some questions about. So again, number's going to be on and off the screen. If you've got questions or if you have follow-up questions to any of their answers, feel free to uh, send a message. But um, first question that I want to ask, and this is really kind of cornerstone to parenting as a whole, is where do babies come from? <laughs> it's it's kind of like important to... We'll just start at square one, and then we can kind of... No? Okay. That's fine. Um, maybe, maybe, like, let's fast forward through that process a little bit, or I guess rewind, and how did each of you, or how did you kind of come about within your, your relationships, deciding on when you were ready for children, and then when you were ready to, like, expand your family and have another child, because there's obviously some of you that have multiple kids, so... How'd you make that decision? We can start down at the end, Jansen. And this one, I think we can have everybody talk. I've got a, a plethora of experience, a whole seven weeks of being a dad. So um, I've got a lot of knowledge on this topic. Uh, 
the way that Danny and I were uh, kind of made the decision was we kind of looked at each other and we're like, yeah, if it happens, it happens. And, and, and then it happened. Uh, I think we, we decided that we didn't want to do it right away when we first got married. Um, maybe that's my experience, but I remember thinking we would like to enjoy married life for a little bit before we had kids. Um, but knew we wanted to have children and, and it just felt like if we waited a couple years and then just felt like the right time, so. So we waited five years and then had our first son um, and then had our daughter and then also knew in our parenting journey that adoption was on our radar for the entire time. So we didn't know when it, if it would come first or second or third. So um, adoption came third in our family. Um, yeah, so that's how we wrapped up our family and we felt like three was good. So Gina and I were talking about this last night and it was, we had originally thought we'd wait eh, three years. I don't know where that number came from, but thought we'd wait three years. Seemed like the right time. Well, there you go. And at about year, what, one and a half, mm -hmm. we're like, okay, we're ready. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, there was no scientific uh, decision about that. It was simply a, you know what? We were going to wait three years, but... Let's we're ready. What, let's see what happens. Let's if it happens, see what happens. happens. Right, right. And then the second one, we waited a little while. A little well, while The first longer. one was a little traumatic, so. <laughs> <laughs> he's not here this morning. <laughs> and hopefully he's not watching Cody, but no, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, we get into a whole lot of things here, right? But like, you don't know what you don't know. Um, I don't think that's the reason we waited. I honestly don't remember why. Trevor, you we might have to cut her off. For until <laughs> until we had Morgan, um, but then we had a little bit of a battle. That's where I was getting with: Are we going to have three or not? Yes, I she won. won. <laughs> We're all a little nervous. Steve's got the mic. Uh, yeah, it was a hard decision, but we had uh, waited till we got our careers kind of going and. One of the things we tell people though too is, because they say, well, how do, you, how do you afford six kids? And I said, well, if you waited until you could afford it, you would, we would have had any. <laughs> and, uh, it's true. So it's just one of those things that, you know, I guess evolves, I guess, but uh, no, it was, we prayed about it and practice makes perfect. Um, so, we would highly suggest that you go to God when you make this decision. Um, we had four children, and then we decided we didn't want any more because four is a lot. And so, Steve had a vasectomy, then God said something different, then he had a reversal, then we had two more, and then he had another vasectomy. <laughs> Now we have cable. <laughs> so anyway, just pray about it before you do anything permanent. <laughs> Not sure how to follow that. <laughs> um, actually, we decided to have kids pretty early on. We wanted to be young grandparents. 
So I don't know if like that was just kind of a plan for us. Um, and then we had two and I was very satisfied. My husband was not. And so we just spent some time praying and six years later we had two more. So it really, I don't know if there's a, a scientific method or, or any science to it. It was just what God put on our hearts and that's what we did. Awesome. Yeah, I think there is some science, at least biology, in the whole process, but... That process, the deciding factor. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, now we've got a little background. Uh, again, if you have any questions now that you know the background, you can feel free to send a text. Everything will be anonymous as well, by the way. Nick sent me a joke, and he told me he was going to do it, so that was the only reason I knew it was from him. But um, other than that, yeah, it'll be completely anonymous. Uh, we had questions on social as well that came in over the past couple days, so we'll get kicked off with those. Um, any advice on creating or setting expectations and boundaries with family members for your kids? That's a tough one. We're getting right into it. Steve's nodding like he's got something to say, I think. <laughs> I don't think we can speak to it. We've never had issues with boundaries with our families. Our family, our, I had a great mother-in-law and Steve has a great mother-in-law and, um, <laughs> and I'm gonna speak for him. She's the best. <laughs> um, so we, we didn't deal with that. I would say ours is the same. Our, our relationships with both sides were, like we didn't have issues of like, oh, if we leave them, are they going to do X, Y, or Z, um, aside from sugar. But <laughs> I mean, I might do that now as a grandparent, so. She does. <laughs> no. Well, I think though, to be fair, that, that depending on your circumstances, it is, it is really important that you know what those relationships, uh, you already know what your relationship is with your family. And if you've done everything you can to live at peace, then you have to have some level of boundary set up. And, and that's something that each one has to determine for their own situation. But do everything you can. I think that's the thing that I would encourage you in, is do everything you can to live at peace but I know that some people, some families, simply haven't figured out how to live at peace. And so then it becomes really significant and important that you, uh, that you have established boundaries so that your children aren't negatively impacted by those relationships. I just want to add to it, we never had a ton of trouble with like in-laws or grandparents, but um, there's a ton of cousins, and there was a lot of different rules in different families, and so we would get a lot of questions, well, they get to do that, why don't we? And so we basically had to sit down with our kids and say, listen, we're not their parents, we're your parents, and so we just had to have pretty stiff lines, more with cousins than with in-laws. So, and just make that a pretty solid line because the kids will uh, try to work together to you know, work the parents and that type of thing. So we just had a pretty clear cut line on what our rules were and if they were different, I mean, that's okay. Yeah, I, I think I, I will preface the, uh, our relationships with both sides, my side and, and Danny's side is, is phenomenal, but um, I think it's super important to over communicate your expectations um, in any scenario. Uh, and as long as you over-communicate your expectations, they will be met because they're known. 
Yeah, and and I think that's a good point that you all kind of made is that there's there's a lot of variety depending on your family dynamic, and so that's probably going to be a theme throughout all the the. Uh, I, I hesitate to call them answers because it's not like there's a right and wrong one, right, that you guys are giving. But um, yeah, a lot of dynamic for sure. And I'm gonna kind of move into another question, and it's it's a little bit of uh, a combination of multiple, but. There's the proverb here, spare the rod, spoil the child. We've got um, a couple questions that have came in about, um, I guess, acting up or, or just kind of behaviors that are undesirable, whether it's being loud or not following instructions. So how do you think about, you know, teaching through those moments? How do you thinking about disciplining through those moments? Where's the mindset on that? What have you seen that works and doesn't work? So my poor kids were just doomed from the beginning as you, you know, I was a trained teacher and then I've been in administration and a principal for years. And so I've seen it all and I was like, nope, we're not doing that and we're not doing that. So um, JB and I spent a lot of time, whether they would know it as teaching or not, really modeling expectations and, and telling them this is what we're going to do and this is why. But they were not perfect children. So we were just talking about this morning Sweet Greta is in the nursery, so sorry. Um, she, she cried a lot when she was like a toddler, when she didn't get her way and there was something was wrong. And so it is fine to be upset, it is fine, but we will not do that here. So one of us would remove her from the table, from the service, from the store, all those moments when everyone's watching, right? But then you have to take that moment too and be like, well, now I have to remove myself because now it's gonna be inconvenient for me too, where I would like to stay and continue to say, be quiet, be quiet, stop talking, shh. None of that was helpful. So sometimes we'd stay with her and if we were at home, it's like you may cry and you may cry as long as you'd like, but you're going to do it in here. And then we would leave. Well, guess what? She's very social. It didn't last very long because she really wanted to be at the party with us. So a lot of consistency though, I think would be probably our answer to that question. It takes a lot of work and to do it over and over. And I, I think we left a couple stores, right? With that cart there and I'm like, nope, we're not acting that way here. So we can leave. We don't have to do any of that right now. Um, but it's hard because everybody's watching. Um, also, we were in ministry at that time, and so we kind of raised our kids on a literal stage um, at camps throughout 10 weeks in the summer, people watching. And so I think we were just really aware and pretty consistent. Um, I think for us, one of the things that we really instilled in our children is we wanted them to be a blessing and not a burden. And so your home is your practice place. So if your kids are out of control and can't listen, behave, and do all those things in your house, then taking them out in public could be a disaster. And you know, taking six kids out to dinner is, well, one, a lot of money, but it's also a lot of work. But it was a treat for our kids, and they knew that if they couldn't behave when we were out, because other people are enjoying their dinner, you want to make it so it's not about them, but it's about the people that are surrounding them. And so, you know, when we go out to dinner, we usually ask for the no kids section when we're by ourselves because we know that not everybody teaches and train their kids not to scream and throw food and all of that um, at a restaurant. So that's just, this, that's just the norm that we had. You act, you know, like you need to in the restaurant and we can go out. But if you can't behave in a restaurant, then we can't take you. Mm -hmm. 
Hey, can I just, I would just add to uh, like echoing what Carla said. Sometimes you have to remove your child from the situation. There was a, set, uh, there was a time when uh, we talked about how much of a waste of time it was to go to church. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the point? Because Morgan was in a, at a state, of, uh, like she was like two years old or something. She refused to go to kids ministry. She refused to sit quietly during the service. And so she and I, um, we attended a church in downtown Goshen then as well, about two, two, three blocks from here. And she and I got to know the neighborhood around that church building really, really well. Because most Sundays, I left the service and we went on a walk and we had an enjoyable time together. And we just chatted as we walked around the neighborhood to come back in time for the next worship, uh, like the singing part of it, which she usually did pretty good in. But... There are, there are sacrifices that we make, but we never, uh, we never reduced the value of, of being in the building in person. Uh, we just knew that, well, we learned, we didn't know, but we learned that there was a section of time that we weren't able to, to actually uh, do all the things we wanted to do because, well, we had a two-year-old that had a different thought about that. And so... No amount of chiding, no amount of, of rebuking helped. It was a period of time, and, um, and it seemed like a long time. I really don't know how long it was, but I just remember leaving the service many times and walking around the neighborhood with her, and then uh, we figured out when we got back. Yeah, so what if, um, what if we kind of take the thought, obviously there's a lot of kind of parenting philosophy conversation going on as far as ways to do things. What if we have a, a, a couple who's in a relationship that either doesn't agree on the way that they should handle a situation or uh, maybe has someone that doesn't want to have even that conversation? Or like, what, what are your thoughts on that dynamic within a relationship where philosophies differ or that conversation is just not even happening? I think it's just something that you communicate with your spouse with. And you know, sometimes if you don't agree with it, I mean, you learn from other people too that have had kids. Um, you know, we've gone to conferences and, and you can get a little bit here, a little bit there and put it in your toolbox. And, but you communicate with each other and come up with something that's gonna work. Um, and you know, just talking to the kids, communicate with the kids, even if they're two or something. I mean, you know, people that have kids know that how much they pick up like that. And uh, I mean, there's reasoning, and there's that you can do with kids. But and sometimes you have to make the decision. Don't let them make the decision all the time. But um, and then there's discipline. And if there's a discipline, then you need to follow through with it consistently. Um, for us, we used electric shock. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right, I think it's time to cut him off. So, I hear dog collars work really well, like this. Just kidding. No, I. We've all been in the grocery store, walking down an aisle, and that one parent is saying this one phrase to a child over and over. If you do that one more time, and I always want to just like jump in and say, "You'll do what?" because apparently that child has learned that you, you won't do anything, and so the, the follow-through is huge. Like, it's extremely difficult at times, but 
And so don't lose hope if you've not, like for us, we decided to start it very, very early. But don't lose hope if, you're, if you find yourself with older children that are not, like they are loud or they're you know, disruptive or they're not, you know, they're not very well disciplined. Like don't lose hope in that, but just know that like the follow through is big and you, you can start now and do it moving forward. Um, and you'll see results if you're consistent and you follow through. To speak what you were saying, if parents have different philosophies, um, my husband and I grew up very differently, and I would say we were kind of shocked at how different our philosophies were when we uh, first had Bailey and um, the following kids. But the one thing we learned is that you never ever, ever disagree in front of your kids because they will get that pretty quickly and they will start playing you against each other. So when you have to discuss that stuff, do it behind closed doors, bite your tongue, whatever you have to do, but make sure it's not in front of the kids or in the heat of the moment because that will cause, um, and not that I'm talking from experience or anything, but I'm just saying <laughs> it can be pretty chaotic. Right. And I think, too, one of the things, getting back to, um, I forget what the original question was, but about discipline, about follow-through, about all that, I feel like, um, okay, how can I say this? Um, kids need consequences, and that doesn't mean they need to get swatted. That doesn't mean anything in particular, but that means um, they do need to understand that there are consequences for their actions. And so finding what that is that works for your kid, but please do it. Because if not, these kids are gonna grow up not understanding consequences and they're gonna be shocked when they get into the real world. Um, they'll have this entitled mentality of like, nothing applies to me. Um, so you're doing everybody, I think, a service um, by, by understanding what consequences work for your kids. And I know Gina and I talked about this uh, last week. Like, it was trial and error for us. Like, at first, like, we did spank. And Cody told me one time that didn't hurt. And so we learned pretty early on that doesn't work. Um, so find whatever it is that works for your child and stay consistent for sure. I do want to add to that. Um, I might be stepping on toes here, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, if you count to get your kids to obey, stop. Um, and the reason I say that, because we, we started out counting because we didn't know any better. We didn't do it for very long because we went to a conference, but our job as parents is to train our kids to listen and obey because when, we want, when they become adults, we want them to listen and obey what God says. That's the, that's the goal of obeying. And the example that we give is if you have a two-year-old and you're out in your driveway and they're running towards the street and you say stop do you want them to stop right then before they hit danger or do you want to count to three before they get hit by a car and that's exaggerating but it really is um, reality is that if you're if you can't obey immediately then what we called it was delayed obedience is disobedience. And so I just encourage you, if you're, if you're counting, to revamp that so your kids can hear the voice of God and when he says do something, they don't have to wait for God to say one, two, three, 10. <laughs> 
So kind of on the other side of the whole parenting coin, I mean, there's obviously the active parenting of your children. Um, but kind of reflect on in if you've got some experiences that were either very positive or very negative on balancing your relationship with your spouse, your career, relationships with friends, your own personal time. How did you see yourself handling that both for the good and the bad? And, you know, obviously make more time is not possible, right? Like there's certain amount of hours in the day. So what did you find yourself doing as you kind of worked through that in your um, parenting? So we have said since our, before our kids were born, I think um, we did quality over quantity. That was the kind of the motto that we chose to live by. Um, JB and I have both worked full time um, since our kids before and when our kids were born. And so we were at work a lot. And so then when we weren't at work, we tried to be really intentional about the quality of the time that we got to spend together. So I think you can do it however it works, but it's, it's easy to be distracted. Um, we've not figured it all out, but I think that also there are times when when you can be in the same room and just be, but then there are other times you really need to, you need to engage. Uh, three teenagers in our home right now, and so sometimes we have to be more intentional with our questions and, and dig a little deeper, and there are times that they are free, and there are other times you're like, not today, but I think that that's the motto that we have chose to live by. Um, and then in that, we have put our relationship first too. And there are moments that we got lost in there for sure, and there are moments where you're like, Will we ever go out again? Will we ever get to spend any time alone again? But they do go to bed, right? Eventually they, they go to bed and then, and then when they do get older and that release of responsibility as well, if you can stay home for a few hours, will we go out? And this is why we're doing it. So you're also training them to be responsible with their free time um, so that we could have time together as well. One of the things um, I think that we did, which I didn't do at first was we would have a we would always have a date night and uh and as the kids got older we made it clear to them that we come first you know not that we don't love them any less but we come first because we love them and uh, for me that was difficult because you know when i first hit when we first had our kid braxton's our guinea pig um we uh you know it, for me it was like all my attention is going to go toward, you know, taking care of the kid and, uh, uh, or the kids. And it was difficult um, for me. But, you know, that was some, one of the things that we learned, you know, that uh, to put each other first. And there's security that your kids get from that, knowing that, you know, we're, we're together in this whole thing. And we're first. And like I said, we don't, it's not, we're not putting them you know, not loving them any less. It's just, uh, um, you know, it's the foundation, I guess, is what we're doing. Sorry, I don't have anything funny to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think, too, um, some of us are at the stage where our kids are grown and are moving out, and you don't want to get to the end of raising your kids and look at each other and go, who are you? Um, so it's really important to keep that relationship going. 
Yeah. So we're starting to kind of get near a time of closing. We've got some time left, but um, we want to get a couple questions through. I know we're definitely not going to be able to get through all of them. I apologize. I talked to Gene before, and I don't know exactly what forum it's going to take, but they will try and give answers to all of the questions um, that we receive at some point in time here. So apologize if we don't get to yours here, but we will try and move through some, um, you know, here. Uh, We've got a lot of questions, and again, I'm going to try and summarize here, regarding technology use and social media, and when's, when's the right time to set those boundaries or release those boundaries, and I guess I'll even spend like having conversations about um, putting social media in the correct light. And, and things that are happening on in culture in the correct light in, in your children's lives. So that's a lot to tackle in one question for sure, but trying to trying to be a little cohesive here with these questions. Well, I would say first thing is you gotta check yourself. Um, the whole social media thing, if you don't have control over it, your kids won't either. Um, we did not have that battle when our kids were young. So all I'll say to that is, I'm sorry <laughs> that you have to deal with this because it is a big monster. And even like kids having phones by the time they're three and all of that stuff is, is a big thing you need to navigate. And again, it's gonna be a thing where you've gotta decide together what the boundaries are gonna be and then stick to them because everybody else is doing it, mom. So you have to be prepared for that. So I, this is a hard one for me because I grew up Amish for a little while. So technology was not a part of my childhood. Um, as a teenager, it still wasn't because I'm older. <laughs> um, so anyway, so my husband and I, we, we spent a lot of talk, time talking. And then we also have asked for advice from other parents. And what we've found is this is this is how it is like technology is not going to go away it's not going to get any less it'll be more if anything so we have to help our kids navigate that um, teach them boundaries teach them like check their phones see what they're looking at ask them questions set guidelines and follow through like with any kind of discipline follow through with those guidelines man i don't know how many times i've heard one of my children, I won't say his name, one of my children say, but mom, everybody else is on social media. I don't care, you're not on social media because we've set that boundary. And so I think it's very, very important to figure out what are your boundaries, but then to walk it with the kids because it's, it's here, it's not going anywhere, and it's just like anything else. We have to teach them how to do that. Yeah, JR already has a phone as a seven week old, so. <laughs> Um, we're pretty forward-thinking here. Uh, I, I've got a unique perspective um, as the student director now and as um, someone who kind of grew up in this era, like kind of the beginnings of it. Um, social media is a very powerful tool, um, and it can be used for really good things and it can be used for really bad things. Um, I'm looking at you guys because these are some of the students here. Um, be careful what your eyes are taken in. Um, it's how you communicate to each other, and that's really cool. We wanna prepare you guys uh, for your future, not how our future or how our past looks. Like We wanna raise you up so that you are successful for your now, 
um, not for ours. Um, so whereas playing outside was a really huge thing for me, it might not be for y'all, and that's okay. That's, that's just a different era that we grew up in. So um, I just think it's really important to understand the power of technology, the power of your phones, and it can be used as a really good tool. And with that, um, I would add, if you do allow your kids to have a phone or a computer, um, you know, make it accessible to, make sure it's accessible to you, to you. And uh, we, we do this, we say this just with chores around the house, but also with, you know, their media is you inspect what you expect and uh, you are able to, you know, it should, you should be able to get on their phone, get on the computer and find out, you know, what, what they've been doing. Uh, so inspect what you expect is what I would say. I want to echo what Juanita said, like when they say everybody else is, it, it does feel like that. And it, depending on how long you wait to give them their first piece of technology, it really could be that. Um, so stay strong. You're not the only one. You just got to find your, you got to find your people. Um, there are others out there. Um, and then I think you, JB and I also have talked a lot about, um, we're not raising kids, we're raising adults. And so I, we have talked a lot about in our house about like, you are practicing who you want to be. We go to practice and baseball practice because we want to get better. So we want to get better at all these other things as well. So framing it that way, that the decisions you're making with your phone right now truly have lifetime consequences. Um, and we can all make mistakes and we can come alongside and we can inspect it and then we can redirect and then you can consequence though, right too? Like I'm still paying for that and you are not. And so you can still get a hold of them other ways and they borrowed their friends' phones because they really did all have them until, um, until they got theirs. And fair isn't equal, right? So we did set a time and it was the same for all of our kids actually, but you also know your kids best. And so if 12 for you and 14 for you, um, maybe fair and equal aren't the same, but I think that's kind of across the board and discipline as well and, and all sorts of things. It doesn't always have to look exactly the same. Yeah, and I want to, um, you know, make a, a kind of a larger comment here as well, because there were some questions that came in, um, and, and I don't know that I'm necessarily looking for a response, but something to consider that, you know, when we're talking about families and parenting, that, that certainly doesn't, by definition, just mean biological children, right? And so we've got parents on the panel as well as other parents in the building that have experience with adoption, so if... Um, that's something that you're looking for advice on. I know JB and Carla would be more than happy to have conversations about that. Uh, but for the sake of time, I'm going to throw a question to our Jansen, or our Jansen, Jansen and Juanita um, on staff. So as director of students, director of Restore Kids, how does the church community in, in your ministries kind of play into the whole parenting dynamic, the, the equation that is uh, A plus B equals C for, for outputting adults, like Carla said. Yeah. All right. So we, in Restore Kids, we use the orange curriculum, and this is about the best way for me to explain it. It's um, yellow, which is the light of the church. Red is the love of family. Come together and make orange. So basically, we are just 
we are just we are here to walk alongside of parents and families um, to help your kids to encourage your kids I always like to think of it as a Sunday morning conversation starter and then they, you have something to talk to your kids with throughout the week um, but we you know we get them for an hour and a half every Sunday um, if we're lucky um, and so it's it's kind of like it's still we just want we're just a help to the parents like we'll we'll never we'll never take your guys a spot we'll never fill that fill that hole we're just we're here for I keep saying just but we're here for it as a help ditto no I um, I, I agree. Juanita said it really well. We want to partner with you as parents to help raise your uh, students, in my scenario, uh, to be successful um, and faith, uh, uh, faithful students, faithful adults. Um, we want them to love Jesus. So I, I think it's our, um, our job as the church is to um, figure out how the students can take their faith and make it their own. Uh, they're in a transition period where... Um, They've been taught this. If they've been in Juanita's kids' ministry, uh, they've been taught it, but now it's time to take a hold of it and make it their own and apply it to their lives. And that's what we try to help uh, do at students. And um, we just partner with, with the parents to kind of help them along in that journey. Awesome. Um, can we give it up for the panel? Thank you so much, yeah. Like I said, I'm sure any of them are more than happy as well as uh, probably many of you who are here as well. Happy to have conversations outside of today. I know I said we've got a bunch of questions that we're not going to be able to get to um, and apologize for that, but some way we'll address that. Um, Gene, how do, we, how do we digest today? Like, what is the takeaway for parents, not parents yet, children as they communicate with their parents about today? What, what's, the, what's the bring home message here? Yeah, I think, I think it's super important that uh, what we take away from these four weeks is that, first of all, we're all in this together. None of us are an island onto our own, on, onto ourselves. We all need each other, especially when it comes to this thing of how do we teach our children to uh, grow in their faith, as they mature in their physical bodies, as they grow uh, mentally, how do we also um, bring faith into the mix with them? And um, the answer is not just, well, just get them to church on Sunday morning. Juanita and Jansen both said, we're here to partner with you. We'll not take your place. We're here to partner with you. So there's this, this uh, I think of it as an exchange uh, between the church and you as parents. And together, Together, we can raise up the next generation in such a way that they will do even more and greater things than we have ourselves. And that's my belief, because uh, if we are pouring into our kids the, what God has poured into us, if we're allowing that to come out, our kids are going to grow up, our students are going to grow up. To, to follow Jesus and to make the world, and it can be a cliche, but to make the world a better place. But ultimately, that's, what's the mantra upstairs, Juanita? On the wall, I wrote it, so to I should love know. people, I'm sorry. The one on the, you know, the, the circle one. Yes, to know Jesus and uh, to make a, a better world. So that's that's kind of the mantra with kids. And 
And I think if we, if we follow that, if we keep that front of mind, some of the things that just grind us when it comes to our kids uh, will be alleviated a bit. And uh, we, get, we keep perspective that way. Let me just, um, let me just read this scripture because you know you got to read scripture when you have church. Kidding. Uh, it's from 2 John. This is John writing to, in the, in the first verse it says, to the chosen ladies. He's writing to the church and to the church's children. And he writes this, he says, how happy I was to meet some of your children and find them living according to the truth, just as the Father commanded. I am writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment, and what, but one we have had from the beginning. Love means doing what God has commanded us, and he has commanded us to love one another, just as you heard from the beginning. John is pointing to the passing along of the faith, of saying, hey, I just met your kids and how grateful I am to see them living in the truth. And if there's anything that we represent or Restore represents is that we are here because we believe that we have a heavy responsibility as a church and as families to be able to say years and years and years from now, I just met some of your children and I see they are walking in the truth. Not their, not their living out their own truth, but the foundation of our faith, the truth of our faith. This is how they're living. And if we can do that, I say we have had success. So don't get weary in well-doing, you guys. The days are sometimes really, really difficult. But the truth is, there's probably nothing more important you'll ever do than investing in the lives of your children. So figure out how that is, what that is that you need to do, and live into it. Really, really proud of you guys. It's hard work. Stay with it. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.